Will you please join me in prayer? Gracious and almighty Father, this is the day you have made and we rejoice in it. Thank you for creating us for freedom in your creation. Thank you for granting us true freedom in Jesus Christ and for enabling us to keep your law in freedom and love. Thank you. Turn us away, Lord, from shallow celebration and poor stewardship of this freedom, of neglecting our responsibilities, abusing our privileges, and of remaining silent when you call us to speak. Keep us from the selfishness that stifles freedom, from the narrow-mindedness that limits freedom, from the hatred that destroys freedom. Enable us and people everywhere to live under free government, to hear your word, and to know true freedom in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, today we are beginning a new sermon series uh, that we will be doing throughout July and August called uh, Walking in Community. Our deacons chose the word walk for one word for our congregation this year, and so we've been exploring that in a variety of ways. And so for these few weeks, we're going to be talking about how God calls us to walk together as a community. The primary text that we're going to use throughout this series is the story of Exodus, which is the central uh, book, the central theme for the, the Jewish people and for us as Christians as well, how God rescues us from slavery and brings us into, goes with us through the journey, through the wilderness, and leads us to the promised land. Today's focus is on freedom, and it's appropriate because Thursday was Independence Day with parades and fireworks, and uh, our family, what we typically do on the 4th of July is watch uh, a Capitol Fourth from Washington, D.C. The fireworks are incredible, wonderful music. Uh, it's a great way to celebrate our country's freedom. Um, we remember on July 4th, how back in 1776, 56 men signed a Declaration of Independence that began the struggle for our independence as a nation from Great Britain. Part of that document says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now the word liberty uh, means freedom, the right to govern ourselves. Interestingly, a related word to liberty, libertine, describes someone who takes freedom too far, someone who is morally unrestrained and pursues pleasure above anything else. Sometimes our pursuit of happiness becomes simply a pursuit of pleasure, like hedonism. Is freedom all about us? The freedom to do whatever we want? How many times have you heard someone try to justify their bad behavior by saying, that's a free country? 
If freedom is all about autonomy, which literally means self-law or self-rule, if it's all about being able to do anything we want, then it quickly disintegrates into anarchy and chaos. If there's one thing that you can take away from today, I want it to be this. Remembering the cost of our freedom inspires us to use it not for ourselves, but to help free others. The people of Israel had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, twice as long as our country has been around. And God sent Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. Well, Pharaoh didn't just give in. He actually made it worse on the people. He said, ah, you're making bricks? Well, from now on, you're also going to have to gather your own straw to make the bricks. Well, God then sent ten warnings, ten plagues. Uh, And God protected the Israelites from some of them, but not all of them. And after the last plague, the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh finally relented. I invite you to grab your Bibles. Uh, If you have one, uh, your own along with you, grab that. If you don't, you can find the blue one in front of you in the pew. And turn to page 105, 106. This is Exodus 12. Beginning in verse 31 of Exodus 12, we see what happens when when finally... Pharaoh relents and says, okay, just leave. And it's really interesting. I want you to take a look at the specific verbs, the commands that Pharaoh gives them there in Exodus 12. He says, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, and as you've said, and go. And also, Bless me. He says, up, leave, go, worship. Or, or the, the Hebrew word there actually is serve the Lord. Like Pharaoh was recognizing that the Israelites now had a new master. That he wasn't in charge of them anymore. And then he says, take and go. Take your flocks and herds. Go. And bless me also. He asked the Israelites, he asked Moses and Aaron for their blessing. He realized that he wasn't the one who had the power to bless. And then in verses 37 and 38, look at that that we heard this morning. The Israelites journeyed out from Ramses to Sukkot, There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children, and many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, flocks and herds. Many other people went with them. It wasn't just the Israelites who left Egypt that day. There were other slaves, other low-class people, this mixed multitude of people that went out together into the wilderness. God took that people, that mixed people, and united them 
as a new community. He blessed them to be a blessing just like he blessed Abraham so many years before, saying, I'm going to take you, you childless couple, Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to multiply you and make you into a great nation, and through you, all the families on earth will be blessed. Well, the blessing came with struggle and responsibility. The Israelites and all the others who joined them endured many hardships on the path to freedom. They were pursued by Pharaoh's army when Pharaoh changed his mind. They went through the Red Sea, and then Pharaoh's army, chasing after them, were drowned. Then they journeyed through the barren wilderness for 40 years, and many of them died along the way and didn't even get a chance to see the promised land, including Moses himself. Well, shortly after God had rescued them, right after they had come through the Red Sea, before they had even begun their long journey, Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the law. God knew that after generations of slavery, the people needed to learn how to live together in community as human beings. So God forged a covenant with them. You can read about it in chapter 19 and 20 of Exodus. God said to them, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." Out of his unfailing love for the world, God took this motley group of slaves and outcasts and made them into a community, a holy nation. In Christ, we have been adopted into this family that's called to be blessed, to be a blessing. God made a a, tr- a covenant with them, not just a treaty you know, where, you know, where you have two equal parties coming together and making an agreement, but a covenant from the, the Lord and Master g- dictating the rules of their relationship. The Ten Commandments were the cornerstone of that covenant. In the covenant, God said to the Israelites, this is who I am. I am your Lord and God, your creator, your redeemer. I am the one who brought you out of Egypt, the one who is providing for you in the wilderness, the one who has a land of your own promised to you. I will go with you. Therefore, this is how I want you to live. He didn't say to them, once you get yourselves all straightened out, once you have obeyed me fully, once you have proven to me that you are worthy, then I will love you. Now he starts from the exact opposite direction. I love you. I care for you. I have brought you out of slavery. I have formed you into a community. Therefore, this is how I want you to live. 
This is how things will go well for you if you live in this way. The Ten Commandments, when you look at them, are really designed to protect our relationships with God, with our family, with our neighbors, and with our community. The Israelites didn't do a very good job of living out their responsibilities. They took their freedom for granted. They turned their liberty into license. Right at Mount Sinai, while Moses was up getting the Ten Commandments, he was there for 40 days and nights, and they thought, oh, he's gone, we don't know what happened to him, let's, let's make our own gods, let's, you know, take matters into our own control. And so they made this golden calf and bowed down and worshipped it. Now we look at that and laugh today. Why on earth would they, you know, make this golden calf out of their earrings and then bow down to it? But we do the same thing with gold, with power, with privilege, with whatever else we put our trust in. And it didn't end there. Uh, They grumbled and complained all the way through the wilderness. They wanted to go back to Egypt, back to slavery, because it was easier there. They went through cycles of forgetting God and going their own way, mistreating the foreigners and the outcasts among them, having everything crumble around them, and then coming to their senses, turning back to God so that he would deliver them, and then going their own way again. Being independent and taking control of their own destiny didn't work out very well. But that was a long time ago. We don't abuse our freedoms today, do we? We don't take our freedom for granted. We don't indulge in shallow celebration and then mistreat or turn away people from other nations who've come here looking for the same freedoms. We don't do that, do we? Maybe real freedom is bigger than just personal freedoms or our national freedom. You've heard it said, freedom isn't free. In the struggle for our country's freedom, blood was spilled. Freedom for the Israelites and those who came with them came at the cost of all of Pharaoh's army. The people who died on the journey through the wilderness, the death of the firstborn on Passover night in Egypt, and the blood of the lambs who were killed that night to spare the Israelites. Many years later, the Lamb of God shed his blood and died on a cross for the freedom and life of the world. If freedom isn't free, then what is freedom for? Is it just for our own enjoyment? Or is it for the sake of others? Paul's letter to the Galatians redefines freedom itself. Uh, In a slightly different translation, Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. 
Christ has set us free from sin and death. The question is, how will we use our freedom? What will we do with our new life? Will we seek to fulfill our own desires in an endless pursuit of happiness? Or will we find the greater joy of helping free others from whatever oppresses them? Christ calls us to use our freedom in service to others. In him, we are set free to serve and to share the gifts that God has entrusted to us. Paul declared to the Galatians that Christ had freed them from the demands of the law. He said, don't go backward into slavery. You can't earn God's love by doing enough good things. You can't work your way into God's family by being a good person. God loves you already. He's adopted you into his family. Christ has done it all for you. He has set you free so that you can live in his kingdom under his rule and serve him. Martin Luther wrote a little book called The Freedom of a Christian. His main point is a paradox, two opposite statements that are both completely true at the same time. The Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. The Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. We are set free from sin, death, and the power of the devil through what Christ has done for us through his life, death, and resurrection. When Luther was explaining the Apostles' Creed, the second part of it about who Jesus is, he said this, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord. He's the master. He's the one in charge of my life. He has redeemed me and freed me from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with silver or gold, but with his holy and precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Freedom isn't free. It costs Jesus everything. Luther continues, He has done all this in order that I might be his own, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness even as he is risen from the dead and reigns for all eternity. This is most certainly true. You've been set free from sin, death, and the power of the devil so that you can set, serve God by serving your neighbor. Pass on the freedom you have received. One person who used her freedom to help free others was Harriet Tubman. Harriet was born into slavery in Maryland. Uh, when she was in her 20s, she escaped, made her way up into some of the free states to the north. Then she went back 13 times to rescue 70 other slaves, including family and friends. She used the network of anti-slavery activists and safe houses known as the Underground Railroad. Tra traveling secretly by night, usually in winter, Tubman never lost a passenger on the Underground Railroad. She was a devout Christian. She experienced strange visions and vivid dreams which she recognized as revelations from God. 
She used spiritual songs to encourage the other runaway slaves along the way. The songs spoke of traveling through the wilderness, out of Egypt, the slave states, to the promised land, Canada, and ultimately heaven. She sang, go down Moses to warn fugitives to stay hidden or to join her, changing the tempo to let them know if it was safe or not. As she led them across the border, Tubman would cry out, Glory to God in the highest! One more soul is safe! Her friends called her Moses. When the Civil War began, Tubman worked for the Union Army, first as a cook and a nurse, and then as an armed scout and a spy. She was the first woman to lead an armed expedition in the war the raid at Combahee Ferry, which liberated more than 750 slaves. After the war, she took care of her aging parents in New York. She was active in the movement to allow women to vote, and she helped establish a home for elderly African Americans, where she herself eventually came to live. After she died there in 1913, she became an icon of courage, freedom. Harriet Tubman didn't take her freedom for granted. She used it to free others. In the same way, you have been given a new life of freedom in Christ. Now, what are you going to do with your life? After all, what's freedom for?